Welcome to Life Concierge. Allow me to introduce you to people you can relate to, learn from, and connect with through conversations that are fun, but grounded in truth, growth, and perspective. I'm your host and concierge, Sarah Heider. Let's get started. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Life Concierge Podcast. So there's a lot of noise around the Meghan Markle and Prince Harry interview, if you haven't heard about it. You can't get on Instagram without seeing a picture of Meghan in her Armani dress, and I know my group texts have been full of thoughts surrounding the CBS special. I have a few thoughts myself, obviously, and wanted to get my friend Paulette's hot take as well. I have to say, although most of us listening probably don't have a lot in common necessarily with the people of the royal family, um, there are a few key takeaways that I just want to share that I learned from the Meghan and Harry conversation, as well as my conversation with Paulette. First being the importance of condemning racism and being actively anti-racist. And secondly, the importance of questioning the way things have always been. Part of my conversation with Paulette talks about Megan's mental health that she opened up about on the interview with Oprah. I just want to highlight the crisis text line. You can text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741 to connect with a counselor if you are feeling like you need to get some help. I, myself, am an advocate for therapy in both good times and bad times. And if you feel like you are needing to talk to someone, um, I just want you to know that I personally support you and hope that you will reach out to the crisis text line or to a therapist. I want to say that this conversation is purely based on the thoughts, ideas, statements, and allegations introduced to Paulette and myself by the media. We are discussing what we've read and what the media has presented to us, and we are not claiming the information as fact or truth, but um, is what is being widely presented in the media and sparking conversation. Are you so excited to talk about the Megan and Harry interview. Girl, I am so ready. Come on, let's get into it. <laughs> I am so ready to. I want to start by asking, what is your background with like fandom of the royal family? Give us a little background about when you became interested in them and how you keep up with them. Yeah, so I think, I mean, even as a little girl growing up, Princess Di was like everything, right? Like, I think that's what triggered me to, you know, every little girl wants to be a princess. Mm -hmm. So seeing a beautiful woman on TV and I mean, I'm in philanthropy. So knowing her philanthropic work Mm -hmm. and all of that, like that even grew my love for her. Um, So that also grew my um, curiosity into the Royal family. Um, Mm -hmm. And now as an adult, I tune in every season of the crown. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like to think that I'm an expert because of that. Um, but I also, um, just anything that has to do with the Royal family, like I I'm, I'm a TikToker. So if there's anything that pops up as far as like what the Royal family's doing and, um, conspiracy theories and things mm-hmm. of that nature, like I'm, I'll go down a rabbit hole on that as well. So I was very excited to see that this this interview was coming out and to, you know, dive right in and hear straight from two right. royals who, you know, could see it firsthand. 
Yeah. And who've like never had the opportunity to speak in this way before. Crazy. Right. Yeah. I can't remember a time just like you kind of, I can't remember a time when I wasn't fascinated by the Royal family. I was, I think I was like six or seven when princess die passed away in the car accident. And I remember just the stir around all of that and kind of learning more about her after that. And again, like, just like you said, um, all of their philanthropic work. And I think too, when I was, when I was young, um, I always kind of wanted to have like that perfect image, which the Royal family definitely at least portrays. Um, and I mean, what can I say? Like I grew up competing in pageants and it's basically the American version (laughs) of wanting to be in the Royal family. Um, you speak well, you dress well, um, or at least, you know, by someone's standards that have been set, but, um, that philanthropic work and yeah, it's just like been a complete fascination. And I know William was like my first crush. I remember seeing him on the cover of, I think it was Vanity Fair. He was probably like 16 or 17, I think, when they did that cover. And I just was like, oh my gosh. So definitely been a big fan forever. And even in the last couple of years, I've actually become uh, definitely more of a Harry fan ever since Megan came into the picture. And uh, all my friends definitely know that I, in my dating life, I refer to Prince Harry and compare everyone to Prince Harry <laughs> all the time, or at least what my perception of Prince Harry is, right? A lot of it is perception. Let's be real. I want to ask what you thought of like the very beginning. I I was like nervous with Megan, I felt like. And I'm not even sure that nervous is quite the right word, but Megan is someone who I have watched and literally studied like her public speaking skills, her delivery of her words, because I am really fascinated and in awe of her talent in that arena. And I felt though, while she was like sitting there in the chair, waiting for Oprah to ask the first question, she's never seemed more like ungrounded. Like Mm -hmm. you can feel that spewing out of her, like Mm -hmm. through the cameras. Um, I, I, it gave me anxiety. What is she preparing to share? I know she's probably anxious to think about like in the back of her head, what are the Royals going to think or Mm -hmm. or say or do once this airs? Like what are the big picture consequences? Right. What are the big picture consequences? How is this going to affect me and my children and my husband? Mm -hmm. Um, but then also like, and I'm not sure how this was set up, if she already had the questions ahead of time from Oprah, or if this was also mm-hmm. the anxiety of wondering, okay, what are you going to throw at me right now? Right. Um, but you could see it in her body language when she mm-hmm. was sitting in the chair, you know, holding her hand and like, you know, playing with her finger and her ring, um, probably trying to channel and put that energy somewhere else, um, to relax herself. But mm-hmm. I felt for her so bad. And you know, as she started to get into the questions and answering them, I mean, your heart just breaks for her. I had several friends who texted me not even halfway through the interview and they were like, um, I think you're going to have to do a two part podcast about this because there is so much to break down. (laughs) So we'll just get into the meat of it. One of the things I have to say that I found the most striking, um, was watching the tabloid taglines or titles of 
the different things that were written about Megan that were just so terribly racist that we don't see so much here in the U.S. We don't see the British tabloids that are saying these things about her as much. So I think a lot of us weren't as aware of just how terrible the things were that were being said about her. And one of the things that first came to my mind is after, you know, watching The Crown and just knowing how the royal family behaves, mum's the word, uh, is is sort of the game and then when they compare it though to prince andrew who was allegedly involved in the jeffrey epstein scandal and how the queen did come out of her typical rules of not saying anything not making comments to the press she came out of that to defend him that backfires and makes the the royals as a whole look negative then it's time to protect and stand up and and speak out Mm -hmm. but if you if the um the papers and the blogs and things of that nature are only portraying one individual or a certain Mm -hmm. group or family out in in the collective Mm-hmm. And they look make them look bad, and it's it's good for the agenda. I I just have such a hard time. No matter what your opinion is, I think on the rest of the topics that were discussed in the interview and some of the topics that we'll go over today, I think no matter what, you just can't deny the fact that the tabloids were being outright racist. And no one in the royal family said anything. To me, that's what I I think I've heard a lot of opinions and read a lot of opinions today about a lot of the other things. But I just don't think that you can have any kind of wavering on the fact that that was wrong, that they did not come out and condemn racism in general and racism specifically towards Meghan Markle. The fact that they didn't say anything says a lot. I don't think anybody who um, watched this interview um, can deny moving forward that race Mm -hmm. did not have a play in Harry and Meghan's decision to leave because of all the trials Mm -hmm. throughout those years. So, yeah, I, I did get one piece of information that I did think was really interesting. I'm going to put my journalist cap on here for a second. I've been such a Meghan Markle fan for a very long time. So I'm going to put my journalist cap on. So I'm a little less biased. Um, I literally, my Christmas this year was Meghan Markle themed. I got the sunglasses she has. I got the book that her and Harry put out that like raises money for dog shelters. Um, So I'm a big fan. But I, I did receive an article from a friend today that I thought was really interesting when Megan was talking about uh, Archie, their son, not receiving a royal title, that she felt that racism played a role in that. But there is actually, there was a rule in place that, that's been instated apparently since 1917, if I'm correct, um, and if this article is correct, <laughs> more importantly, according to this rule, Archie should not have a title. So what do you think about her 
saying that he's not getting a title because of the racism. So for all the listeners listening in, <laughs> me, I Paulette Burks am an African-American woman. So that will help you uh, kind of gauge and understand my opinions and ideals um, throughout this, this conversation. But I, I agree with you, Sarah, literally if, if race is playing a part in other areas in the situation, then how can it not be playing a part mm-hmm. in that? Um, yeah, I did hear about that same article that you were just, you were just bringing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, I still agree with Megan that I, I believe that race did play a part. I mean, mm-hmm. even in the, in the interview, she, she discussed, you know, the, the, the topic of Archie's complexion being brought up, like, how are you not protecting him or his mother? They're a part, you a part of your family, right? Mm-hmm. So I just don't understand. I, I believe that if if this would have been roles would have been reversed and mm-hmm. Megan was not a, a mixed race woman, what would mm-hmm. have happened? But the situation with um, Archie's um, complexion um, for listeners who are unaware for African-Americans, our complexion goes as a wide range right and even though his father is caucasian and his mother is mixed you literally can come out you know with the recessive gene and be as dark complected as his mother as her mother Mm -hmm. so that's why that was a part of you know the conversation and i guess that was a fear of someone in the family which we will never i guess we will never know who exactly said Mm -hmm. it I, so on the matter of Archie's security, that brings up an interesting point because again, going back to that article that was kind of really kind of out to debunk what they said. And I'm always happy to at least read both sides of the story and then make my own decision. But the article stated that, uh, Essentially, Archie's role is very similar to Eugenie and Beatrice, who is Prince Andrew's daughters, and they do not pay for their own security. My argument is when Meghan Markle came on the scene, it was like another rebirth of the royal family. And I remember definitely things heated up again when Kate came into the picture, too. So I don't want to say, you know, that. It was completely irrelevant. I loved Kate Middleton. Um, I, you know, was in college when they got married and woke up at 2 a.m. or whatever to watch the wedding. So, but it was another hot moment for the royal family when Meghan Markle came on the scene. I think that the popularity that uh, Meghan and Harry brought to themselves and to their organizations and most importantly to the royal family elicits some sort of protection for them. Right. I think, yeah, when you brought up the subject of Prince Andrew, it's like, I would have never even known him. I don't, I don't, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even remember him if it had not been for the negative press that he was receiving. I would never, I, until you mentioned his daughter's names, mm-hmm. would have never known who they are. So why would they need protection? I mm-hmm. mean, now granted, in their country, of course, because they're royals, and I'm sure the folks there know every single person far, far down the line. But like you said, literally Harry and Meghan are icons. Like, 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to call them icons. I guess I shouldn't use that. But like they're well-known people who have their own, I mean, they are celebrities basically mm-hmm. in their own right. What would the crown do if either one of them was kidnapped because you decided not to give them protection? That makes me think too of um, a quote from Harry during the interview um, when he he wasn't necessarily referring to the security situation as it stands now, but the overall um, safety and protection of Megan while they were royal family members and all of the attention that she was getting and especially all of the negative attention that she was getting that Megan will be murdered like Diana. Riding on the wall, history will repeat itself. Like, and, and, and what's sad to me is, can we, I don't, it's probably on your list of things to talk about, but yeah, go for it. If we want to talk, if we get on the discussion of mental health, Megan telling us that there was a point in time when she said, I need help mm-hmm. and they didn't provide it to her. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there's two pieces that I immediately think of. And it's like the the crown didn't want her in the family. And it's like, we're not going to pr- supply you the assistance that you need. I just felt like there were multiple underlying reasons that the re- uh, the reasons of why they did what they did and d- or did not do anything. Like, let's take a second and think about what the paparazzi and the press would have continued to be like for them if they had continued to stay there and fulfill their roles as senior royals. What would that have even looked like? I can only imagine now that she's pregnant again. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. another subject that they would have just added to the tabloids. And she was already in a bad state of mind. Mm-hmm. So I could only imagine where she like where she would have been mentally that's hard I cannot imagine feeling that way and having the self-awareness and confidence truly to be able to ask for help that's a huge thing right there so many people that have those terrible feelings that they have to deal with never get to the point where they're able to even ask for help and for her to be able to ask for help and then just be completely denied is really hard to stomach. And you're, you're, you're revoking her access to do it on her own. Didn't they say in the, in the interview that she hadn't seen her license, her, her passport, her keys, but that's just not helpful either. Like if you're not going to provide me the assistance I need, then why are you not letting me go get it myself? I think on the subject of Harry too, one thing when he came into the interview that I thought was really interesting um, was when Oprah was talking about him being trapped in the Royal family. um, And she said some things that kind of alluded to the fact that like he had never wanted out of the Royal family, that he had never displayed that, but I didn't feel that to be true. I feel like he's, he's obviously always been a rebel. We have proof of that. And so I always saw those actions of being such a rebel as being kind of like, I don't know if I want to be part of this. I'm not going to follow your rules. I'm not going to do this. And so I thought it was really interesting that, um, she said that. And I don't think he appreciated it either. It's like, Mm -hmm. he, he said something like, you know, why? Because I smile because I'm told to like, Mm -hmm. this is my job. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, 
I don't I don't think perception, I guess perception is reality. But mm-hmm. yes, you can easily be trapped in something that you, you I mean, he was born into this trap, right? Mm-hmm. And honestly, when when Oprah asked him, like, would you have left without Megan? Like, mm-hmm. if you didn't have Megan, would you have left? And he said no. I thought that was I was shocked by that. That was profound because well, mm-hmm. it I wasn't shocked because it made sense because he said I would have never realized I was trapped mm-hmm. had it not been for her. Right. Mm-hmm. So in some sense, she saved him. His mother still somewhat supported him in saving him and getting him out by providing him money and, and a foundation yeah. and support to support them in that transition. Because had he not had her, what, how, what would they would have, have had? to support them financially. She saw the writing on the wall. And it's it's just such a contradiction too when she's so talented in her own right and is told that she can't make money and then leaves and then is now being punished for trying to make money. And and on that note too of of being trapped or accepting the fact that she couldn't work as a royal for me a lot of the bigger picture topic of all of this is I think something a lot of us have really thought about in 2020 and that's not just accepting things because that's the way it is. Yeah. That's something so many of us, I think have really thought about in a lot of different aspects in our lives this year that accepting something because that's how it's been in the past or that's, you know, how it's been done in the past. So I'm just going to go along with it. Let's stop and question things for a second. And that doesn't mean that you necessarily come to a different conclusion all the time. Maybe things are good in some circumstances the way they are, but not being allowed to question it, not being prompted to question it, then we're just going to continue with the way things are. So I think that's kind of my bigger picture takeaway that all of this sort of makes applicable in some way to like my life, I guess. Yeah, I think, and that's, that goes back to him saying like, he wouldn't have left if he, if he didn't have her. Mm -hmm. like she helped him start to begin to question that Mm -hmm. like I think when he first sat down he said something regarding um like being able to live not live but like see how the world was from her shoes as a black Mm -hmm. woman that Mm -hmm. I think that also helped open his eyes and see like okay I gotta get out of this hamster wheel because everything that I've been told is not 100% true Mm -hmm. right like why do we do this this way? Why why can certain laws change all of a sudden, but now we're implementing rules to suppress or remove my own children? Mm-hmm. You know, so you I mean, you absolutely have to start questioning things. I mean, and why do we have to have a stiff upper lip? I mean, that's it's it's just the mentality of all of it um, that I have to admit I totally accepted it, and I think before Meghan Markle became part of the royal family. I was kind of all about that. And that's been a lot of my life too, kind of in pageantry. You know, you're supposed to say sort of the perfect thing. You don't want to offend anyone. There's a lot of times you're not questioning things, um, even if they might feel wrong. And now that's just not the world we live in anymore. And I'm glad that we have people like Meghan Markle, like Prince Harry, who are asking those questions. Finding their voice. 
Because that was another mm-hmm. thing that she said on the call on, on on the interview was that she was stuck up in the in the palace in the house, mm-hmm. and Little Mermaid came on, and she realized that in that movie, Ariel had to lose her voice to get the prince, and Megan lost her voice. She had to, she was silenced. But when you start to question things to a point where it's like, I can't be silent anymore. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out a way to get your voice back. Yeah. That reminds me of one of my moments of falling in love with Meghan Markle, probably really the turning moment for me where I was like, okay, I'm on board. <laughs> um, was when she, I believe her and Harry were engaged at this point, uh, maybe newly engaged, but they were speaking at a mental health event with Kate and William. And Megan said, women don't need to find a voice. They need to be empowered to use the voice that they have. And for me, that was, that was my head turning moment where I was like, okay, I'm going to watch this lady. I am invested in hearing what she has to say. And so to have things come so full circle like that is sort of crazy. She's not just any old little tiny actress, American, like she's a powerful woman. She has a voice. One other thing that kind of goes along with just accepting things the way they are, the way that things have always been, um, goes along with the overall tone to me of Megan and Harry's interview that people are, are saying is that it was, you know, full of bombs and they totally just, you know, blew up the monarchy and, um, you know, they're destroying the monarchy and I can see why people say that but to me honestly to me there was no speak of the relevancy of the monarchy or questioning the existence of the monarchy to me that is the most damage that they could have done to the royal family is question their relevancy question why are we fascinated with them and I actually had this conversation with my mom on the phone today like why are we so fascinated (laughs) with them Watching the crown, I literally was like, what is the point of the monarchs? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't, you're not, the, you're literally, you were just here to represent an idea, in my opinion. Like, I don't know. I just don't see the point. And if they would have, they would have torn that down, like you said, I think mm-hmm. that, that would have caused and rub, ruffled some feathers. When you think back to the Princess Di interview that she had, before mm-hmm. I mean what was it two years a few years before she passed away you would think that doing that interview they would have been okay let's stay low-key like let's just leave her alone mm-hmm. hopefully like now that she's got it out it would be over with I'm hoping that Harry's thought process and an idea of you know history is repeating itself does not come full circle I'm super excited to see how Megan transitions back to a regular American life. Yeah. I think too, my next thing that I'm most excited about is some kind of statement from the queen about all of this. Let's get that out. (laughs) Let's roll that. Maybe this is an eye-opening thing for her. So we'll see. We'll see what's next. And it seemed like Harry didn't have any like animosity towards his grandmother. Now it's more of like, a grandson grandmother relationship rather than mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm working for the queen right so 
So hopefully that's a good transition for him. And I'm excited to see, like you said, what she has to say. And hopefully it will be something that it's her piece and Mm -hmm. helps them continue to go on about their life and their, their brand new life and not Mm -hmm. have to feel, I hope it's something that lets her, lets her say her piece, but also Mm -hmm. relieves them of Mm -hmm. the stress of waiting to hear what is said. Yeah. And hopefully the queen has something that is like you said, positive. Here's hoping cheers to that. Thank you for listening and a very big thank you to my friend Paulette uh, for having this conversation with me and allowing me to ask for her perspective on the statements that Megan made surrounding racism. I'm sure you enjoyed hearing from Paulette. So I will plug that she is coming up on another episode that we've already recorded a few weeks ago. Um, She will be on another episode of Life Concierge here soon talking about networking and relationship cultivation and relationship building and some specific tips to uh, try during COVID times as well as coming out of COVID times. So I'm really excited about that as well. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Concierge Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps and you won't miss an episode when you subscribe. Catch all the latest from Life Concierge Podcast and follow at Life Concierge Podcast on Instagram. You can also visit the website lifeconciergepodcast.com to learn more, leave a note, or recommend a topic or guest for an upcoming episode. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.